So I stopped drinking a year ago, and now on reflection, I think there's three big things that helped me finally stick to it. Visualization and storytelling, peer support, and mindful awareness of my body. That's noticing the urge to drink and learning a bit of mental jujitsu to deal with it. I think that one has to coincide with the knowledge of why the urge is there in the first place. If we head down that path, why is the urge there? I can speak only for myself, but here's how I think of it. For almost as long as I can remember, I've been interested in the idea of being haunted with ghosts. And where I landed is that the idea of ghosts is a wonderful metaphor, a metaphor. I've written about some of it, scenes associated with fear, anger, embarrassment, or pain. Scenes that played back in my head, popping up for my entire life, like little film snippets flashing up on the wall from an old projector that flips on seemingly at random. But it was probably never completely at random. Those scenes still flash up from time to time, but having worked at least some of them into words, their effect on my emotional systems has diminished, I think. That organizing into reasonably coherent stories is an exercise which puts us in some control of those flashback scenes as we render them outside our own heads. Some of those words have made it into a comic or two. Those are the ghosts in the machine, the wee gremlins, devils that we're better off knowing, looking directly at, capturing, and pulling them out from the complex gears of the machine and describing them, at least in a journal. Talking of journals, if I look back to the start of 2023, I had decided to try to at least not drink for January. After that, I was going to take one day at a time. I had tried to cut down drinking before. I'd done three months here, a week or two there, since I was in my early 30s. But each time, I would fail. I would slip back into long periods of drinking just too much each day, which turned into a week and a month, and on it would go. Not a pretty picture. Falling asleep on the couch before the rest of the family went to bed. Waking up, dry mouth, fully clothed, 2am, stumbling to the bathroom, or just drifting back into whatever state of sedation my body's chemistry was capable of. It has been noted by sleep expert Matthew Walker, we can confuse sleep with sedation, and those are not the same thing. Looking back on it, it was like some sort of odd pattern of self-harm. Very strange to live like this night after night was not ideal. Luckily, I could imagine better options. Choosing and doing the option was the hard part. I was stuck as a drinker. Drinking John. It was clear to me that drinking John was a subpar option to choose for my son's experience of life on planet Earth with a dad as my ability to be the calm, trustworthy source of care that I'm supposed to be dissolved into something else. Something unreliable, inconsistent, frustrating. Not my own dad level, that whole haunted thing. But if I really stopped and considered it, it was very certainly living on that side of the aisle, the alcoholism side of the aisle. And the aisle that I'm talking about, I mean, we would describe politics like this too, which side of the aisle is this or that policy. But the aisle here runs down the middle between sobriety and alcoholism. And if you can walk that aisle, dipping a little on the alcohol side, but mainly staying on the sobriety side, good for you. But for me, 
doing that was taking way more energy than I'm willing to give it at this stage of the game. So for now, I'm just staying on the sobriety side. It's easier that way. I like myself better on that side. So it had taken many tries, much pondering, and false starts, but I finally managed to stop for a day, then a week, then a month, now a year. I might drink tomorrow, but I have a feeling I won't bother because that would be pointless. I've been drinking for years at this point. I know the way it goes. I've got it. Time to try a different approach. And I have to say, not drinking feels amazing. I mean, it's not a panacea. I don't feel consistently wonderful, but I do feel more consistent. I still regularly feel like garbage, and I think that's the inordinate amount of chocolate and ice cream and sugary snacks I've been stuffing in my face. I need to deal with that next. It's as if some pathway was forged deep in my brain when I was a young lad, countering boredom or worry with a sugar buzz. The Cadbury cream egg solace of my youth, in through the mouth and off into the bloodstream, a sweet chemistry bath for the nucleus accumbens and the ventral tegmental area, firing up those endorphins, aka endogenous morphines, which is what endorphins is short for, endogenous morphine. Amazing, who knew? Now think about those feelings associated with the ghosts we mentioned, fear, anger, embarrassment, pain. What better antidote than a wee drop of morphine? And there it is, at the end of a chemical chain that begins with alcohol or sugar. I mean, we need some form of sugar. Glucose fuels the brain, but too much, too processed, not the best. So working on that one. I should also say, keeping alcohol out, I don't feel absolutely wonderful emotionally. Anxiety still flares up like an over-ranging old race car engine at all sorts of moments. But it's an engine I know the sounds and mechanics of now. And in general, to be fair, anxiety is a necessary reflex. It keeps us sharp and alive. It prompts us to ensure safety. But it can get counterproductive very easily in this mental world we've built, this silly prism we've trapped ourselves in. So my anxiety still flares to a degree that seems to be above average. I'm not sure that'll ever fully calm down as long as I live, but I'm aware I know how to manage it without pouring alcohol on it. I have a bit of control. That's the amazing part. That, and I feel like I'm finally setting a good foundation to be the best dad I can be. So I gave up the drink a year ago, may drink tomorrow, not drinking today, that's the main thing. Joan Didion had a year of magical thinking. This has been my year of magical non-drinking. And I've said a couple of times now, I tried, I tried to stop a few times. Here are three things that helped me as I reflect on the last year. In a bit more detail, visualization of a desired story that I'll be able to tell myself years from now when, with some luck, I'm an old man. Fiction, a myth of the near future. I used the old noggin, the creative cortex, the special little thoughtful brain cells up on the top shelf inside the skull. I used that slower acting, energy intensive, but powerful piece of kit to create the story I wanted to tell many years from now. I imagined myself in the future, in my 80s. Hallie's Comet has come back, and Ivor and I have gone to find a place to view it together. The story at that point is that I had stopped drinking years ago in my 40s, and that has made all the difference to my ability to deal with life's challenges, relationships with Ivor, Philippa, confidence, motivation, self-care practices, work, creative pursuits, all better because of that work done back in my 40s. 
a small but strong network of trusted people on the same path. That's the second thing. Ben, Brent Atchley and the push movement. Brent showed me around the building that houses the local adult children of alcoholics meetings. I went to two or three of those and found them somewhat helpful. I just wasn't taken by the format. It was a bit of a drive to get there. And I also had a bit of a network forming, which I think is a big part of the help those groups provide. Community-owned peer support. And the opportunity to verbalize and create a coherent story about why these problems occur in the first place. And there's more. there was more of a network around the wider world with minimal degrees of separation. Elissa. People without alcohol, people living without alcohol, it was like something you didn't notice was all around you until you started looking. And then your radar attenuates and you start picking up the signals more easily. This is what learning is really. Our brain contains very robust pattern recognition systems. Learning to slow our role and intentionally guide those systems is what good learning is. And then feeling that encouraging sense that you have a group who has your back. It's generally throughout the brain's limbic system where social support's processed and mediated. Getting that reliable social support gets the belts and gears under the hood there, whirring and burring more calmly. And then the third thing was internally noticing the urge, using the cortex to observe the brainstem, mindful noticing, interoceptive awareness. That's different ways of saying the same thing. It took practice. At first, I needed to be very intentional, and I needed to really think hard about when the triggers occurred throughout the day. When does the urge to drink it? When I get home from work? When it's the weekend? It was, it was like trying to beat a tough boss in a video game. Failure occurred. Got home, cracked a beer, reset button. Got home, cracked a beer, reset button. Eventually, I gave myself some grace that this is not easily overcome at first. You don't land this first try. The internal dialogue we choose here, the mantra, if you like, can be, I'm going to be bad at this at first, but I can get good at it. So I kept setting the intention each day and trying, like trying to land a kickflip or shoot the ball in the hoop. And then, very intentional, non-alcoholic beer, herbal tea, soda water instead of beer. So one day at a time, maybe I'll drink tomorrow if I decide that it's a great idea. But if I reference those scenes from the haunting we discussed at the start of this little journey, the chances are I'll decide not to. And a year later, here we are.